Good morning. I feel blessed to be preaching to my church family today, both you here in the sanctuary and those watching online. And today, the first Sunday of Advent, I'd like to tell you about the story of the first, first sermon ever. But first, let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you love us so much. We thank you, Lord, that Christ came to change everything. And today, we pray that in your Holy Spirit, and the power of your Holy Spirit, we will preach and receive the word of God. Amen. There are times when we feel surrounded by misinformation. Even about something as important as our health, misinformation. And at times like this, we look around and we ask, where can I find the truth? Luke lived and wrote around AD 70 in a time of misinformation. There were stories about Jesus and about Christians floating around in Greek and Aramaic. Some were true and some were not. So today we are going to go through a lot of scripture in the next 15 minutes. So fasten your seatbelts because nothing can be more important than the word of God. And the first verse, actually, is the longest, bear with me, don't feel breathless, it's the longest sentence in the Bible that Luke wrote. So hear the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 1, 1 to 4. Since many have undertaken to set down an orderly account of the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed on to us, by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. I too decided, after investigating everything carefully from the very first, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the truth concerning the things about which you have been instructed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In this very long sentence, at a time when Luke was facing a lot of misinformation, even without social media, he's saying, I'll set the record straight. I did the research. I verified the facts. I found evidence that these stories are true. Luke's goal is to prove to pagans, in those days, pagans, some pagans preferred Greek philosophy to Jesus. He wanted to show the pagans that Christians don't have to set their minds on autopilot and have faith without evidence. Believing in Jesus Christ makes sense, he wanted to prove, because historical evidence points to Jesus as the Messiah. Luke reminds me a little bit of Nicky Gumbo. If you participate in an Alpha course, you know who he is, the founder of the Alpha course. And he came to faith during 
law school, he was very skeptical about Christianity, but after examining all the evidence, he says, you know what? Historical evidence is evidence. And the gospel of Jesus is true. The segment of the Bible is unique to Luke. He had his own, his own sources. It doesn't appear in Mark. It doesn't appear in Matthew. And who on earth is Theophilus? Well, the opinion of scholars differ here, but it's possible that Theophilus was a, high, was a high-ranking officer of the Roman government. The story starts with John the Baptist's parents, not with John's ministry, which was such an important ministry, announcing the coming of the Lord. He starts, Luke starts with the parents because he wants to prove, you know, that John, who was a little strange and outside of society a little bit, um, had credibility. He came from a lineage of priests. So he starts with Zachariah and Elizabeth, John's parents. So verse 5, in the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. It's her fault, it's her fault. So Zechariah was a priest, and Elizabeth came from a family of priests. They did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. You know, if they lived today, they would be sitting right here today. They would be leaders of our church. They would be singing in the choir. They would be sitting in a mission committee and traveling to Peru. They were people of God. And yet, their prayers until then had not been answered. Well, I have a friend who has a post-it note on a mirror so she can read every morning, God is not done with me. She's old, but she knows that God is not done with her. I am here to tell you that God was not done with Zechariah or Elizabeth. Verse 8. Once when he, Zechariah, was serving as priest before God and his section was on duty. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now, at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. So Zechariah was chosen by luck, and he waited all this time to offer incense to the Lord in the sanctuary. And, you know, this was a great honor for a priest, a great opportunity. The last thing he wanted was to be interrupted. And I think, this is another sermon, but I think there's a message here for us, because sometimes we're so busy with church work that we don't leave time. We don't allow opportunity for God to interrupt us, to speak to us. But that's another day. Verse 11, Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And it should be art showing there pretty 
after the verse. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know that this is so? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people are waiting for Zechariah and wonder at his delay in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. I cannot imagine how difficult it was for Zechariah to explain with gestures what had happened to him. It's very hard for a priest to be without a voice. Verse 23. When this time of service was ended, he went to his home. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she remained in seclusion. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me. When he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. Elizabeth was ridiculed. She was mocked. She was despised all of her life because she couldn't have children. In those days, the mission of a woman was to have children. And for the old Jewish culture, not to have children, to be barren, was a disgrace, was a sign of God's wrath, was a curse. Now, the Annunciation. Verse 26, in the sixth month of angel, Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The, the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, 
the child to be born will be holy. He'll be called son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the six months for her, who's sad to be barren. For nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, here I am. I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. You know, my purpose initially was to talk about Elizabeth and Mary, that relationship that really touched my heart so much. But as I read this, I couldn't help but think that Zachariah was treated a little harshly. You know, and Luke is making a comparison here. In both stories, the angel Gabriel appears. In both stories, the angel gives excellent news. In both stories... Mary asks questions, and Zachariah asks questions. And I said, what's going on here? But Gabriel treats Zachariah and the Virgin Mary very differently. Muting a priest is a heavy penalty. Why? I have a professor who says that when we see something strange in the Bible, we should not bypass it and go to the happy ending. Go, let's find the happy passage. He says, no, stop and ask, what is God saying to us here? And this is what I did. I I would have had a much shorter sermon, I guess, but another time. We notice that when you look again, that Mary simply asked Gabriel for information. She asked, how can this be since I'm a virgin? After all, virgin birth had never happened before. It was completely unprecedented. And yet Mary did not doubt the angel's words. Martin Luther once said that for Mary, it's so well said, faith overcomes reason. Indeed, the Virgin Mary was blessed with a rock-solid faith. Zachariah, on the other hand, didn't just ask for information. He asked Gabriel to prove, to give him a proof of what he was saying, that the miracle would really happen. Zechariah doubted. The truth here is that Gabriel muted Zechariah because as a priest, he should have known better. Zechariah should have remembered the story of Abraham and Sarah, who also had a son in old age, because God promised Zechariah should have known that our Creator is not subject to the natural laws, to the laws of creation. He created. He works inside of creation. He works outside of creation. That's why Gabriel said nothing is impossible for our God. I believe the Lord is speaking to us here in this passage, not just to the priests, not just to the church leaders, but he is speaking to Christians in general, especially those Christians who have been in the faith for a long time. Doubt does not please God. And I'm preaching to myself here. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We all have unanswered prayers. 
We all do. Maybe we're praying for that child who's in trouble. Maybe we're praying for our marriage to get better. Maybe we're praying for that chronic disease to leave us. Maybe we're praying for peace in the family, especially in the season. And sometimes when we pray for something for such a long time, we, we arrive at a conclusion that God is not going to answer it anymore. We say, if God hasn't answered my prayer for all, this, all these years, why should I keep praying? Well, remember when Gabriel said to Zachariah, your prayer has been answered. I encourage us in the season of hope, in the season of light, in the season of expectation for Jesus' coming, for the coming of Jesus. I encourage us to change our minds and believe that our prayers can be answered at any time and keep praying. Since faith is a gift of God, we must also pray to have faith. The story continues, and this is the part I wanted to get to in the beginning. And on verse 39, it's about Mary visiting Elizabeth. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And explained with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. So Elizabeth, a woman who has been despised, the old woman who has been despised all her life for being barren, was the very first person in the New Testament to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why did the Spirit of God choose Elizabeth? Why did he choose Elizabeth over the priests, all the priests that are waiting for their turn? With Jesus, everything changes. As Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, she becomes also the first person ever to proclaim the good news of the gospel. I thought this was so cool. Martin Luther says this. These are his words. That is the first sermon on earth that Mary is the mother of the Lord. And it comes from the aged honorable matron. Lord is the name of the true God. Elizabeth did not hear it from anyone, but rather she spoke through the prompting of the Holy Spirit. After Elizabeth preaches, the Virgin Mary worships the Lord in a song. Could this have been the first church service? Mary's song, the Magnificat, is one of the most beautiful songs in the Bible. I encourage you to read it on your own. Luke's story 
goes on. But today, on the first Sunday of Advent, I want to encourage all of us to pray, pray for increased faith, to pray all those prayers we prayed before that we believe were not answered. Let our prayers be a pleasing incense to the Lord. As Psalm 141.2 says, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Just as the incense that Zechariah was offering. Let our prayers go up to the Lord as a pleasing incense. Let us keep praying and keep believing because if there was ever a time for our prayers to be answered, that time is now during this Advent season. Our God is a faithful God. Our God is a God who keeps his promises. And I love this, and I'll end with this. John eleven forty says, If you believe, you would see the glory of God. Believe. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that Jesus came to save us and to change everything. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. And we pray that you will give us the long-suffering patience of Elizabeth to keep praying and also the rock-solid faith of the Virgin Mary. Amen.